Welcome to the Global Development Institute podcast. Based at the University of Manchester, we're Europe's largest research and teaching institute addressing poverty and inequality. Each episode will bring you the latest thinking, insights and debate in development studies. So hello and welcome to another In Conversation podcast from the Global Development Institute at the University of Manchester. Today, I'm joined by two very special guests who have taken time out of their busy schedules to speak with me today. So without further ado, may I ask you to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, so I'm Shamima. I graduated from the University of Manchester in 2018. I studied comparative religion and social anthropology. I chose to study that as I was very interested in cultural history. And specifically at the University of Manchester, the course opened up loads of modules in different courses. So I studied politics, economics, and with my religion side, I was open to take on Middle Eastern studies modules as well. But specifically the social sciences modules, it was good because I was always able to look at it from an anthropological lens. I chose to study at the University of Manchester because I think coming from a small town and going into a city, for me, it was about opportunities and gaining my experience and meeting new people. I think the new people I met on my course, all the societies I joined, and then what led to me being an executive officer at the Students' Union really broadened my knowledge and my experience with different types of people and local organisations and all the projects I did. So yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that I went to Manchester for my first choice university. So I really do miss it a lot now that I'm joining working life. <laughs> okay, that's great. Thank you very much. My name's Alicia. I graduated also in 2018 doing an undergraduate in geography um, and then I went on to start my master's at the Global Development Institute in international development and specifically the poverty, inequality and development pathway and I've just got my dissertation left to complete now for that and yeah I loved being at Manchester as well. I was born and brought up in Manchester so it was like a natural choice for me to go to university there and yeah it was great years that we spent and me and Shabima also met in our first year as well. Fantastic thank you very much. So obviously you both met the first year of university. I guess the reason why you're talking today is because together you started a company uh, which was recently shortlisted in the Manchester Making a Difference Awards where you were highly commended for your contribution to social innovation. So can you explain to our listeners exactly what your company Electric Bazaar does? Yeah, so Electro Bazaar is an ethical clothing and jewellery social enterprise. So when me and Alicia met at university, we always had people tell us that they really liked our clothing pieces. And we always used to like to incorporate um, ethnic origins from back home and the handicraft skills there, either that being the fabrics or like the embroidery into our clothing pieces. And we found a gap, which was modest clothing and also the fusion between South Asian heritage and also the West. Um, and trying to wear that combo in the UK and having it readily available on the market, which isn't currently. So as we spend a lot of time back home in India or in, in Pakistan, whenever we go on holidays, we've been in contact with local artisans, either that be tailors or those who are very talented handicraft artists, either that be embroidery, mirror work, block printing. And we found that there wasn't a lot of those handicraft skills that were retained because of sweatshops. So sweatshops, as we know, they um, exploit workers by not giving them good treatment, not giving them a fair wage. So we work and partner with local artisans. Mainly we try to work with women. So our main head of operations is female and also our tailor is also female as well. And um, we give them job opportunities and security in those jobs. And also we make sure that we pay them a good wage. And we try and incorporate 
those handicraft skills so that they are retained and by making sure that we're giving them those recognition throughout social media and also through the, their treatment as well. Um, so yeah, we incorporate those handicraft skills. Our fabrics are also with local partners, um, local businesses who are from low-income backgrounds in these communities. And those pieces are made and designed by me and Lisha and they're made in Pakistan and then they're shipped over here and then we sell to our audience all internationally. Um, and also we have um, jewellery collections as well. And those are made by um, Afghan refugees and those are also sold on our platforms. Um, we try to embed our social ethos, which is to move towards slow fashion and away from fast fashion and this exploiting nature that I was talking about before, about the sweatshops. Um, and always we're trying to promote this idea of um, buying less, less waste being produced, so it's causing less pollution and also just spending less money and trying to wear more timeless pieces. So that's what we try to incorporate when we're designing our clothing pieces as well. In terms of our whole brand, speaking to Laura actually from the university, and she was saying why we were so recognised and we came second in the category in the Social Responsibility Awards was because in everything that we do, we hit a lot of the sustainable development goals. So a couple of examples are, um, we're working with women, so we're trying to create a gender balance within the workforce and even in our us trying to move more towards um, slow fashion, the environmental sustainability aspect that we're trying to work towards um, even in our packaging and the fabrics that we're sourcing um, and working more locally helps towards that as well and less pollution that is created. Also just helping the economy as we're working with people at the bottom of the supply chain. Um, so that's essentially what we do and what we're about. I hope that sums up what we do in a couple of minutes. <laughs> it does. That's a very, very good elevator pitch. So it looks like you've put so much thought into this and you mentioned that you work with communities. What sort of response have you had from the public? So starting off with any business is always difficult putting your first foot in. So first we would just had our student audience that we were at university with and we mainly used to sell with them and just family friends. Um, but recently, in fact, we've just got an order today from the US. So as we expanded our platforms that we were selling on and also just mouth to mouth, just promoting our brand, also, recently, we got recognised by lots of media outlets in the BBC, and we also were in contact with the UN Fashion Conscious Campaign, um, and she was praising our work. So we've managed to get a wide range of audience, not just in terms of our customers, but also different brands, different organisations, and also different media outlets that have really showed an interest in our work. And we can tell it's not mainly just about our pieces, but also what we stand for. Every time someone says to us, we really like what you do, yeah, they like our pieces, but they always say what the cause that's behind it. So yeah, we've had feedback and interactions from a whole range of people so far, and we hope to grow our audience to work with um, other fashion designers and also other different mentors. We recently partnered up with the Thai Mentoring Programme and received a whole pool of mentors that we're hoping to tap into, you know, have networks with different industries in, in the fashion world. So yeah. There's, I feel like there's a lot of opportunities out there as well to connect with the different types of people. Definitely. So it sounds like some good plans for the future, which is great. And you mentioned briefly the reason why you were so highly commended was because you, the structure of your business and you hit a lot of the SDGs. From a personal point of view, how did it feel to be recognised in the Making a Difference Awards? It felt really fulfilling to actually be recognised for the work that we've done. And although we've had like a great response from the public to be recognised at the Making a Difference Awards, I remember like earlier years at university, we would see the awards happening and I never really imagined that 
we would be like one of the contenders for for it and being highly commended really just solidifies that what we're working towards is we are actually making a difference and I think that was the fact that they even called the making a difference awards like that's at the heart of what we want to do and yeah being recognized was was honestly amazing okay well congratulations again it sounds like a lot of people are picking up on what you're doing which is really good I guess in an ideal world, we would be doing this face to face in Manchester, but in light of the current public health emergency, we are having to do this remotely, which sort of begs the question, there's been a lot in the news recently about how high street brands have been cancelling or refusing to pay for clothes they've ordered from places like Bangladesh due to COVID-19. How have you been continuing to work with your suppliers that has it impacted you at all? Yeah, we've also been keeping up with the news about how big brands have been, of course, taking that profit first approach as always. And in Pakistan, unfortunately, people were not really taking the lockdown seriously and the bazaars were still open. Garment workers and their families are being placed at this dual risk of, of infection and also not being able to earn an income. We, we ensured that our workers were still being paid during the, the lockdown period. And fortunately, our tailor and our mirror embroiderers, because as they are women, they are working from home and they don't have their own shops or anything. So this was able to continue as we already had bought our materials from uh, local markets and bazaars beforehand. And we don't actually w work with any big suppliers. All our materials, all our beadwork, everything is sourced from local markets, from small enterprises. And that's part of our business as well, That because a lot of the big suppliers, they, they often don't produce um, the goods ethically. So a lot of our stuff is hand woven and hand, hand embroidered. So that way um, we didn't really have the issue of having to cancel orders as our production was still able to continue on, on a smaller scale. Thank you very much. And if I could just target this question to you, Alicia, as well. Both you and Shamima have mentioned a lot of areas to your business that have come up and are very prevalent in sort of the research that happens at the GDI. How in particular, Alicia, have you found studying for a master's at the GDI? How has it informed your approach to the business? Um, I've absolutely been loving the experience and obviously after studying geography at undergraduate level it kind of seemed like the natural next step for me as I'd always been into the kind of development and people focused side of the discipline and it, it really allowed me to delve deeper into topics that I'm really interested in for example like bottoms up or community driven development initiatives and of course that has informed our business practice as well because sustainability is always at the heart of everything you study when you're studying development and it's always at the core and of course you can get inspired by case studies that we study and different ideas like I often share with Shamima something that, that I've studied in one of my um, modules and I particularly enjoyed um, one of my modules called citizen-led development which was led by Nicola Banks and it was all about kind of collective action and the community coming together to better the conditions for themselves in slum settlements and it kind of really inspires our business uh, mission as well as how we want to kind of empower the low-income communities that are working in the handicraft industry already to really kind of showcase their crafts and really build themselves up and without kind of imposing our ideas on them we allow them to showcase their works their crafts and incorporate that into our design so yeah it was definitely really inspiring so something you both touched upon sustainability and empowerment particularly female empowerment in low-income countries are at the heart of your enterprise so 
you've touched on it, but how do you ensure this and what do you think needs to be done around the world to ensure these issues remain moving forward or remain in the spotlight so positive steps can be made on them? So in terms of women empowerment, this is something that we try to embed, not just in when it comes to production of our clothes, but we try to do campaigns to raise awareness and also tackle any issues that we feel like are our heart when it comes to women and, and the communities that we've been in touch with. So just recently, we did a domestic violence campaign. So obviously with COVID-19, the rise in domestic violence cases, not just with women, but with men as well. But in terms of the statistics, we're much more higher with women. And that lack of personal space that's been reduced and also just the reporting aspect being more difficult with being in the same space as the abuser. And also children being at home, not at school, um, and how it impacts them when it comes to domestic violence. And also just the behaviour that's been made normal. And we've tried to, through our campaign, raise awareness as to that normal behaviour that is actually classed as domestic violence. And we try to, through scenarios um, and through our animations and through our social media, we try to get that message out there as to if you are a victim, this is what could be possibly happening to you. And also with COVID, with the you know loss of jobs, and if there are people actually in the household that may be tested positive with COVID or have any symptoms, and you know this all builds up tension within the household that increases domestic violence. So we raised awareness about the situation because we didn't feel like generally the media was doing much about it. And secondly, we tried to um, signpost and really try to highlight um, reporting methods. And thirdly, we raised money and we raised £600 in total for an organisation in Pakistan called Baitak, who are um, an amazing grassroots organisation doing work surrounding domestic violence and other issues that they're trying to tackle taboos within the community. So we raised money for basic necessities, examples, sanitary pads for women living in shelters. And overall, the feedback that we received on the campaign was phenomenal. And generally, in terms of when we were talking to Aisha, who's the founder of, of Baitak, and seeing the impact that it can have on these women. Not only do we feel like they will be empowered significantly, but generally we've made a difference to their daily lives of them living in these shelters. Not only is it just, you know, that we're in a current situation of a climate of lockdown, but them being away from their households and in these communities being shamed for raising their voices and reporting that they've been a victim of domestic violence. So we felt like it was a well-needed campaign and overall we felt like the campaign did make a significant difference to the lives that we were we were trying to help in Pakistan. Yeah and another ongoing campaign that we actually do all the time is the sewing machine project and what that is is raising money for women in the community who are from low income backgrounds and they can't afford a sewing machine but they're already skilled or trained up in sewing and then we purchase sewing machines for them so that they are able to earn an income from home um, because a lot of the time, due to the taboo of women going out to work, it's it's they're not really encouraged to go out into the workplace. So this is an, a great alternative for them to start up their, use their skills and do it from home. And this has also received like a really good response and people love that this is part of our business and also uh, specific collections, specific products. We use the profits to go back into the sewing machine project as well. And I think what needs to be done also in the world to ensure that these kind of issues move forward is realizing that these changes happen on a very small scale and you know supporting grassroots initiatives like 
like the ones that me and Shamima just mentioned, is really integral to making those small, small differences everywhere. And also, I think another big thing in regards to kind of fast fashion and the majority of um, garment workers being female, you know, a lot of pressure, I think, needs to be put on big brands from kind of the consumer sides, you know, to like give the workers the rights that they deserve. And we need to realise as consumers, we do have power and we can hold these brands accountable. And I think around 80% of the garment workers are women and they're entrenched in the cycle of gender discrimination and also poor working conditions and they don't have any safety regulations. So, you know, also putting pressure as consumers on these brands to kind of change their practices and put the safe uh, working regulations and places integral, I think, as well. That's amazing. Well, I have to admit, the work you're doing, not only on your business, but on the grassroots organisations, certainly sounds amazing. And I wish you all the best moving forward with all of the things you're involved with. Thank you, Thank you so much both for your time today. One last thing, if anyone in our audience wants to find out more about Electric Bazaar, um, you mentioned you're on social media. Is it best for them to go? Do you have a website? Is it best for them to go to Facebook, Twitter? Yeah, we have a website, which is www.electric-bazaar.com. And bazaar is two A's. And on Instagram, that's where we're most active, I'd say, on the social media side of things. And that's at electric underscore bazaar. And yeah, we also have Twitter, Facebook. We're basically on all social medias, but you'll be able to find that on our website if you check it out. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you very much. Lovely speaking to you. And hopefully... Um, in the future we'll be able to meet in person in Manchester when the lockdown's been lifted. I hope so, definitely. <laughs> Thank you, so stay, stay safe both Thank of you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank